You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Ryan Nicewinder started playing wheelchair basketball with Baltimore's Bennett Blazers in 2002, when he was eight years old. He would go on and attend the University of Illinois on a full scholarship and was named a four-time All-American. Ryan would then play professionally in Europe while getting his MBA. And just a couple of months ago, he would help Team USA secure its second gold medal in a row at the Paralympic Games in Tokyo. In addition to training and playing on Charlotte's men's team, the Rolling Hornets, he is employed by Visa and also does motivational speaking. So, Ryan, I thought we would just uh, immediately start by, um, for, for folks that just aren't familiar with arthrogryposis, what, what is it? Well, one of the things that, uh, if you're familiar with disabilities in general, is, is that every disability is unique to the person. And so, Arthrogryposis for Ryan Nicewinder looks very different from arthrogryposis that uh, Mikey Pay might have, who's a teammate of mine, or some other people that I've met. Um, and I think that's the coolest part about uh, the disability community is that uh, no matter, even if you have commonalities, you also get to learn uh, our differences and it's our differences that make us unique and strong. And so for me, um, arthrogryposis my, is uh, it affected my quadricep muscles. And so my quadricep muscles don't activate, they don't uh, fire properly. My motor signal from the lower part of my spine um, doesn't send that signal to that muscle. And so when I go to stand, I'm not able to bear weight and I either use leg braces to walk or an everyday chair that gets me from point A to point B. I think I think you said something that's so important because obviously, uh, particularly folks that don't have a disability, uh, there's just a perception or, or often just one perception or even, as you mentioned, uh, with a specific prognosis like arthrogryposis, it's not one size fits all. It doesn't affect everybody the same way. So I think that's just important for everybody to, to remember. And as you said, uh, it, it it allows you, you know, it's 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 unique to the individual, uh, and 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 is a strength of every individual as well. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why I encourage everybody to get to know uh, people for who they are and and ask questions because questions help us discover more about friends, family, colleagues, you name it. Um, especially in the disability community. Yeah, we have this. Uh, we have this kind of. Uh, theme of just ask. And that's, I think that's, you know, when you ask, then you, one, you break down the barriers between every individual regardless. Uh, but it's also a, a conversation and a starting point. So, I, I, and I know you were introduced, uh, I think around 2005 to wheelchair basketball. How were you introduced to the sport? Well, growing up, my family uh, enjoyed sports, was involved in sports. My dad played soccer and then coached soccer for 30 years. My sister played soccer. My mom played field hockey growing up. So, I was just playing basketball. I was playing baseball, soccer with able-bodied athletes. And mm. my mind knew what I wanted to do, but my body necessarily couldn't move at the speed or pace that everybody else was. And so when my parents read a newspaper article in a local paper about a clinic that was being put on for wheelchair basketball, they thought that this would be a great opportunity to just try something out without like no strings attached. If we don't like it, 
it's, it's all good and it's okay. And um, ended up going to Philadelphia, tried it for the first time. And for the first time, my mind was able to do what my body was telling it to do. And I was able to feel free to move um, effortlessly. And ultimately, um, people that saw me that day and moving forward uh, noticed uh, a unique glow that I had in terms of just being excited about something that was new, that I was having success in. And that's the, the best part about uh, when someone finds um, a passion is that you're able to, to see it in the way that they um, smile, the way that they interact, and also how they want to get better and, and enjoy the process of getting better. So I, I, it was from the moment that I, I hopped in that chair. I don't remember it as much. Obviously, 2005, being eight years old, uh, eight-year-old Ryan doesn't have all those details. But when I talk to my parents and people that were at that clinic, um, it's, it's very clear that, uh, I, I enjoyed it right away. And that's the power of sport, right? When you find this, find something that, that, you know, excites you and, and motivates you and light, lights you up. And like you said, and, and so you went to this clinic was in Philadelphia. Yeah, it was in Philadelphia. Uh, I think it was partnered with the 76ers even. So I, I remember what I do remember about it is I don't even know that the mascot's name, but the, there was a mascot there from the 76ers. And he, uh, I mean, obviously he was there to just put smiles on people's faces, but that's one thing that I remember from that time as an eight-year-old was I was playing basketball and hanging out with uh, the 76ers mascot. And you, and you mentioned, you know, uh, obviously the, the importance of that clinic. And we always talk about, you know, the value of these clinics or these, these days where you really just go out and, and try a sport and even different sports, because obviously the, there's, there's, not, you know, one sport may not be the right sport for you, but if you're able to try other sports. Uh, so I know, I know a, member, a number of our member organizations always do these clinics just for that reason. So, you know, listeners, hopefully you're out there uh, and, and, and you, and you see these clinics or opportunities to just go out and like, as you said, no, no, uh, no requirements, right? No strings attached. Just go out, try a sport. If you don't like it, then you can walk away and, and say, at least I, at least I tried. So, so from that, that one clinic, how walk me through that progression in terms of all right so i i tried it this is awesome you know ryan 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 loves it uh but how do how do you start competing and and uh and participating um and, and developing an, um a, a true desire to compete uh, at a even an elite level well i think one of the biggest things and i'd be remiss if i didn't talk about it is my parents just invested so much of their time in making sure that i had every opportunity to succeed in in things that i love to do and as they saw that glow that we talked about earlier um they were willing to drive two hours two and a half hours twice a weekend to be able to for me to go practice for me to have the opportunity to train with athletes that uh were uh, at the same caliber that i was at and then send me to camps and get to get, get some recognition on the collegiate stage. And, and then you transition to the global stage and there's this progression, but it all starts with uh, a two and a half hour drive to, to the Bennett Blazers. Uh, I was a part of the, the Bennett Blazers uh, sports program. And every weekend I, I just got to spend my days with Jerry and, and Gwenna and, and they, they opened my eyes up to many sports. Uh, I fell in love with a specific sport that is basketball. And it, it 
during the weekends gave me an opportunity to to bang chairs and, and hang out with uh, my teammates and, and practice and get better as a team. And then I was uh, equipped with the right tools and the right skills to be able to practice on my own during the week at uh, the YMCA, the local high school, local um, D3 college that I could, anywhere that I could find an open court. Ryan Nicewinder was happy and, and he was going to be uh, developing and improving his skills. And I'm, and I'm so glad that that's what I, I was hoping you would would, start, would talk about Jerry and Gwena because not only are they a fabulous couple, but uh, run a fantastic program at at, at Bennett Blazers down in, in in Baltimore area. And obviously you're from Lancaster County, so there's a, a you just go down 83, right, or, or yeah. whatever, all, all the time for your practices. But but your story is not unique, though. You know the unfortunate side of with where we are with adaptive sports, although this is changing, is um, you know opportunity opportunities don't exist necessarily in everyone's backyard and a number of athletes have to make a, a one hour, two hour, or even, you know, three or more hour drive to, you know, weekly practice and whatnot. And so, you know, not only did you have that commitment, but your family had that commitment uh, uh, so that you can participate in sports. And hopefully that will change as we, as we move, um, you know, we have a vision 2028 uh, that if, that once when the when the Paralympics come back to the United States, that uh, athletes have uh, are within a, a 50 minute drive, you know, of, mm-hmm. of of being able to participate in sports. So that's that's a lot of that says a lot a lot about your commitment and your family's commitment uh, uh, to participate in sports. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, one the commitment that you guys are making is incredible. I think that anytime that we can create more opportunities for more people, I think that we're gonna. Um, just be able to build a more inclusive society. I, I, I look at sport as, yes, I, I'm a, Paralymp- a Paralympic gold medalist, and, and that was a goal that I wanted to achieve. But it also just teaches independence. It allows people with disabilities to gain confidence and see what they can do rather than when everyone tells them what they can't do. And so to be able to have something like that in your backyard is incredible and, and something that I didn't necessarily have. And if I didn't have parents that were willing to drive that distance then I miss out on an opportunity of a lifetime to do and be and achieve and, and speak with you even today. And so I just think that the, the closer that and the more opportunities that we can bring for people with disabilities, that is always trending in the right direction. And it's, uh, it's cool to hear the initiatives that are coming forward. And so you were a senior in high school when you made Team USA. I mean, that's, that's remarkable. Um, you know, were you, what, what was going through your mind at that time? Um, and in terms of, I mean, did you have that expectation that early? Uh, was it a surprise? I mean, what, I mean, that, that's just an, a, an amazing feat. I think I'd have to fast forward or rewind, sorry, to uh, when I was like 12 or 13 years old, that the, there's power in when people see something in you that you maybe don't even see in yourself. And when I was 12 years old, I had the, someone speak into me and said like, Hey, like you have a ton of potential and I see a lot in you. And, but like, here's some things that you need to do to, to improve. Here's areas that you can grow in. And what's unique is when someone believes it's possible for you, it's the catalyst to take you from where you are to where you want to go. And it was people speaking those things into my life early on that gave me the confidence that uh, pushed me to, new places that I've never been before. Um, and so when 
we come to that moment where you say like, were, were you expecting to make the national team as a senior in high school? The answer is yes. Like I fully believed that if I was given the opportunity, I could showcase what I needed to do. I mean, I also believe in right place, right time. Um, in 2012, there was a Paralympic year and they did a great job and they won bronze, but there was a, a shift in, in coaches. The guy, um, Ron Likens, who coaches at Missouri and was the national team coach for the past two Paralympic gold medals. Um, he actually was recruiting me at the time to come to Missouri. So I was on his radar. Uh, I sent in my application. He gave me a chance. And that uh, tryout was probably one of the hardest tryouts of my life. <laughs> but uh, we did three days. We did max testing on bench, dips, you name it. We were kind of doing it. Um, but I just stayed the course. And as I stayed the course, I continued to, to grow um, as, as a basketball player, which is really cool. Yeah, that is, that is cool. And so obviously you went on and, and did play at the collegiate level as well. Uh, you didn't choose Missouri, <laughs> you <chose> University <laughs> of Illinois. Uh, what, was that, what was that decision-making process like? Well, one, I think it's really powerful that people with disabilities have, like, have more options than ever before to choose where they want to go. And I think for me, the decision was there was a level of, okay, so not only do I want to pick where I want to excel at basketball, but where do I want to excel as um, in my professional career, where it's going to give me the best uh, ability to, to enjoy sport and life. And for me, Illinois had the perfect marriage between the two. Uh, Mike Frogley was the person that recruited me at the time. And he's one of the, the best wheelchair basketball coaches to ever do it. And so uh, it was the academics. It was the social life and interaction that I was going to have outside of basketball. It was the coach that was going to take my game to the next level. And then just feel. Sometimes you go to a, a, a location or, or you're making a decision and you just know that that's the right step for, for Ryan Nicewinder. And, and then I think we need to step through and we don't know what the other side's going to hold, but we're confident that we're able to, to step in there with making the decision, with making the best decision that we can with the information that we have. And as you mentioned, I mean, there are a lot more opportunities now, but uh, even, I mean, obviously University of Illinois would be a, a good choice and a strong choice for anybody because of their long standing tradition of, uh, of their powerful adaptive sports program, whether it's basketball, men's and women's, and, and of course, track and field. I mean, they were, they were one of the pioneers and one of the early, uh, early adopters and acceptors. So that, that's fantastic. But now you're right. There's a lot more opportunities and hopefully there will even be more opportunities because we still need to see a lot more growth in uh, collegiate uh, pair of sports. So, uh, so I would say that that might be a factor too, right? For anybody that wants to choose University of Illinois, that'd be, that'd be one reason why they just have this long-standing tradition. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there isn't a wrong choice. I think one of the coolest things as well as I've seen tons of people um, choose other schools outside of the University of Illinois and that grows our sport as well. And so it's, it's what's best for you. I was talking to Steve Sirio when I made my decision to come to the University of Illinois. And he said, you know, the University of Illinois is not for everyone. But if you feel confident that like when you visited and the academics and the demands that all those things are going to play into your day-to-day -day life meet what you want, then it absolutely makes sense. It's the best decision for you and you're going to love your experience. 
Um, and I think that that's true at any school. Like people are going to thrive in different environments. And so uh, figure out how you thrive, what you enjoy, what, what makes you happy and, and pursue it wholeheartedly. And then you, you also played professionally in Germany. Um, how many seasons did you play over there? And what was it like just being able to li- almost essentially live for a while uh, in another country? Yeah, so I played one season in Germany. I had gone over right after college and was dating my uh, now wife at the time. At the time, she was my girlfriend. And so she was finishing up school at the University of Illinois. She was a soccer player. Uh, so we met through athletics. And uh, it was an awesome experience. I mean, for me, anytime you get to play against international talent, it's, it's a great opportunity. And to be able to do what you love and get paid for that, that's even better. Um, I would say you want to, I went over with my, my roommate from college, which made my experience even better because you were sharing it with someone that you really enjoyed and you were able to go see those areas. So one of the things that I'm, I'm intrigued by, and I don't know if I'm sure you have some insights, Ryan, is um, why doesn't the United States have the ability to play professional wheelchair basketball? And I, I would just love your thoughts on that because I just, I, I don't understand why, if Europe, Europe can can have this model, why can't the U.S. have this model? It's it's a question I think a lot of people are asking, including myself. But um, I think some barriers are in place, and we just have to be get we have to get more creative in in how we um, navigate a unique situation, as well as build a value proposition. I, I don't think that we need to be as as uh, Paralympic sports. I, I don't think that we necessarily need to ask people to donate money. I think we need to build the business case and the reason why it's important to invest in Paralympic sports across uh, the entire U.S. When you look at it, um, you know, people with disabilities make up $13 trillion worth of spending power in disposable income, which is a market greater than China. And when someone's like, if you have like my parents or my aunt or my grandparents or friends, people that are just associated, when they see like inclusive partnerships, they're more inclined than ever before to go partner with a Toyota, to partner with a Visa, to partner with a Citibank, because um, they see someone, they see a company investing in someone that they know and they care about. And so they're more inclined to do that. And when I think about professional sports, we need to be able to build the business case for the reason why um, people should invest, buy teams, and develop a league. Uh, I think the second barrier that we face is uh, distance and location. When you look at Germany, Germany's compared to the U.S. is, is a pretty small country. Same thing with Spain, same thing with Italy. And so if you have eight teams within the country of Germany, you can really – like we drove – to everywhere that we went, or we took a, a, a bullet train to each place that we went. Whereas if, if we have a team in Philadelphia and a team in LA, like that's a long drive. You're paying for multiple days in a hotel. You're paying for transportation. And so uh, you need more money or you, we need a more centralized system, whether it's like an East coast professional league or what, what you have, um, to be able to really get it off the ground and running. Um, You could also look at like, they're not typically in the most populated cities within uh, the countries in Europe. Like they're they're spaced all around. There are some in some very 
um, densely populated areas. But I would just say that sometimes when you pick like not an LA or a Chicago, you get a bigger fan base because they don't have a team that they can call their own. Right. Like when you go to Chicago, you have so many sports teams competing for the same fan group. When you are in a city that doesn't have their own professional team and they get one for the first time, they're going to latch onto that. They're going to make that their own. They're going to buy jerseys. They're, it's going to build awareness and, and kind of grow it from there. And so those are probably the three things that I think about, like distance is an issue. Um, I think we need to build a better value proposition for why companies and, and investors should, should um, want to have a, a wheelchair basketball team as part of their portfolio. And then I also think that strategically picking where we place uh, the professional leagues could also help. Now, I say all those things to say that it sounds great in theory, what I just said, but to actually bring that to fruition is a whole nother beast. And I think that that's why we haven't seen success with that yet. I know that there's a lot of guys that want to get that off the ground. I mean, we've, we've won back-to-back gold. So obviously we have some of the, the best talent in the world right in our, our, our backyard. We're just not, they're all going overseas to play because they need to make a living and that's the best place to do it and, and to play the best basketball. Yeah, and, and I think all of those points make tremendous uh, sense. And uh, but you're right. At the end of the day, we're exporting our talent, you know, yeah. uh, to to another country. But but yeah, the geographic proximity makes sense. The business proposition, you know, definitely makes sense. And I and what I didn't think about your idea of the maybe in smaller markets. Uh, that's a that's a great suggestion as well. And and you mentioned Visa. I know that um, you're, you're you're currently doing some work with Visa. Uh, Visa has been a great partner and supporter of the Olympic and Paralympic movement. Um, is that one of the reasons why you wanted to uh, to uh, you know kind of um, do some work with the company? Yes, I work with Visa, and I'm also a part of Team Visa um, and sponsored by them. One of the big things with Visa that I think is so well, one, they're the longest standing Paralympic sponsor. Uh, and they were the first Paralympic sponsor. Um, so I think that that's really unique. I think the second piece is when athletes look to bridge the gap between sport and entering into business or just the workplace, there's very few avenues because you go play basketball for all of these years, you come back and on your resume, it just says basketball and it's not recognized as uh, something that's legitimate or that like you built skills, but you built plenty of skills. I, I, I I mean, I had to develop my own brand. I had to market it. I had to think like time manage. I had to set goals, create strategies, set like create a vision for myself, my team. How do you build uh, high performance teams? We learned mm-hmm. what does it take? Like, how do we have um, whiteboarding and ideation sessions to, to be able to get on the same page? So there's so many, and those are just, the list goes on and on, but no company really embraces that. They don't, I, I, I applied, I think to like 15 or 20, uh, jobs and, and did not even get an interview to one yet visa has an Olympian and Paralympian business development program that, um, they take Olympians and Paralympians. Uh, you, you obviously have to go through interviews and it's super competitive. Uh, and they, in my class, they took three, uh, Olympians or Paralympians and I was one of them. And you are a part of a rotational program. So every six months, you rotate to a different part of the company. And at the end of one year or two years, you get to rotate off into a full-time role. So now I'm working as a strategy and operations manager on the global risk team, uh, looking at 
operationalizing goal setting, uh, looking at how do we streamline uh, processes and, and take things from ideation to implementation to execution. And uh, it's, it's nothing new. I mean, I, I've done it since I was 12 years old. It's just a, a different avenue. And, and Visa is, is some, I'm really proud to be a part of Visa, uh, both as an employee and as uh, an athlete that's sponsored by them. I think that they are helping us change the narrative and the game in terms of uh, support for uh, Paralympic movement. And in addition to your work there, I know you do some uh, public speaking. And and, um, uh, and so I know one of the things, you know, we talked earlier about the power of sport, but you talk about the power of belief. Uh, uh, what, does, what does the power of belief mean to you? I think the power of belief takes you from where you are to where you want to go. And, you know, belief comes from trust and trust is built over time. And so for me, and I, when I look at organizations and teams and individuals, it's, you know, it's the power, we need to build that power of belief. And to do that, we need to build trust. And that's through, as I've looked at my teammates and, and how we've built that over time to build a gold medal winning success, it's, uh, the little things over a long period of time and following through on what you said you're going to do. It sounds so simple in theory, but when we actually do it, then when we get in a really like high um, emotions, high intense uh, situation, we're still able to perform at our best because I look to the right and I look to the left and I look at myself and I trust what I've done over time to give me the belief to be able to execute when it matters the most. And um, so I know we're just a couple of months removed from from Tokyo already, and but but you've already uh, stated that you your your goal is to be uh, representing Team USA again in Paris in in uh, 2024. Um, I know that obviously you're already working towards that, and and uh, whether training or, or whatever. But did you have some time off? Did you get to spend Did you get to spend some time off after you uh, returned to the U.S. from Tokyo? I absolutely did. I think uh, even athletes that, I mean, our, our inclination is to to hop right back in the gym and and set forth towards that next goal. But for me, I, I definitely pressed pause. Um, I think the other thing is that like, you know, basketball is amazing and it's a huge part of my life, but my, my number ones are my faith and my family and my marriage. And so making sure that maybe, uh, I'd been gone for a month and a half and, and been gone a lot for training camps, even prior to the Paralympics. And so uh, my wife and I were able to go to Cancun, which was awesome. Take a week where uh, we had great food. We had awesome weather, spend some time by the beach and in, in the pool and just re recalibrate in terms of um, getting time with one another, kind of turning our phones off, disconnecting. So that was really nice. And then I think the other piece is, for me personally, um, there was a level of a couple of weeks where just not taking things so seriously, like basketball has always been fun to me. And I just think the higher and higher you go in sports, it's still really fun. But sometimes when the pressure is so high and you're, you have to be on every second because our team is so talented and the world is talented that like the micro mistakes make major impacts, whether that's in practice or in games. And so just to decompress from that, to, maybe go into the gym and, and just not have an agenda and just shoot around, like be a kid again, F find the joy uh, 
it, it in the basics. And, and so I, I've done that as well, which has been really cool. But starting to get back in the swing of things, back into a lifting regimen, back into training five, six days a week. And the great thing about sport is that uh, there's always areas to improve. And if you enjoy the process, uh, it's just continuing to, to trend upward, which is, is the goal. And then we have a really talented crew of guys that are in the United States. And so uh, I'm excited to, to get back with them whenever that is and, and continue to push each other to, to, to new heights. I thought you might mention that you went fishing too, because I know you like you like fishing, Ooh, right? I, yes, I do. I do. So fishing uh, is something that is new to me. I am not a, a natural born fisherman, but I think why I have enjoyed it, it's something that I picked up during the pandemic, but why I really enjoy it is just because there's it's it's completely different than basketball. Basketball is indoors. Fishing's outdoors. Basketball is high intensity, lots of communication, lots of talking. I think uh, fishing is solitude. It's a lot of reflecting. It's a lot of time to yourself. And if you're going with other people, it's a lot of side-by-side, really cool relationship building. And so, and I'm not very good at fishing. So it's something that I get to, I get to learn, figure out, make mistakes. And, and it, it, it's been fun. Something else you can figure out how to master, right? <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know if I'm ever going to master fishing, but um, at least I'll laugh at myself as I'm doing it. That's all right, too. And and one of the things that I saw recently is obviously, I think, a social post uh, uh, of, of you holding a Wheaties box. Now, yes. for anyone growing up, you know, when you have <laughs> folks like Jenner and Retton and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Of folks that you know were on the cover or on the box of a Wheaties uh, box. Uh, what 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 was that like? I got to speak. Uh, so it was National Disability Employment Employment Awareness Month, and I was able to speak to General Mills on this topic and just talk about my experience growing up. Um, ways that I think we can educate and improve uh, cultures within the business world and just in in life in general. And uh, one of their gifts to the speakers is uh, to be on a Wheaties box. And so I, I, I was not expecting it. I got it in the mail. Um, it's definitely something that growing up for me, I, I see like you see Michael Jordan, then you see LeBron James. And, but one of the things that I think is really powerful is that you don't really see uh, someone on a wheelchair on a Wheaties box very often. And although that won't be something that is uh, available in stores, at least not now, I hope that General Mills can see the power of when, when you have a differentiator, when you do something that's not within the norm, um, how many eyes it can catch and, and how many pe- people's attention uh, it, can, it can get. Because even just talking with, it, with you and you seeing it and you bringing it up as a question, uh, you're not the only one. And it's, it's gained traction on LinkedIn and other social media networks. And I just think that it showcases that our country is in a place that is ready for change and, and it's primed for it. Now we just need companies like General Mills and, and others to, to grab a hold of it and be the, the first movers. Um, I think it'd be really cool if, if not only, I mean, I would love to be on it, but I think even more powerful would be my team. You know, the 12 guys that I just accomplished uh, a lifelong goal and not many people can say you're, you're Paralympic gold medalists. And I'd love nothing more than 
Um, if I, if they want to put me on it, it's great, but even better would be if, if the 12 guys, 12 strong that, that we, that we just accomplished our goal, if they, if, if we could all get on it and yeah. it would be distributed to the masses. Exactly. And I think your operative word, hope, and at least in my eyes, is going to be not yet or not now. So yeah, uh, yeah. it's not a no, it's not a no, it's just not right. That's not now. Exactly. So because I mentioned that you do some speaking, how do people uh, connect with you? Yeah. Ryan, nice wonder.com. It's a great, uh, if you fill out some information, we'll be able to get back to you. I have some corporate keynotes that, that I've already developed and can deliver at any time, but also I'm completely willing to adapt it to business priorities, business needs, upcoming events. And so uh, shoot me a message. Would love to be able to um, continue this conversation. And I think anytime that uh, I'm able to speak to an organization, it, it brings a unique and different perspective that maybe your company and your culture haven't heard before, but but need. And and I, and I, and I enjoy doing it. So it, it's a it's a side hobby. It's a passion of mine. And uh, working in in a corporate America, I can also use my, my lessons from sports, but also be able to relate with you on the business end to be able to marry those two together and create a really unique story that um, can give you strategies to reach your untapped potential as, as a individual team and organization. Well, wonderful. Um, uh, wonderful and delightful conversation, Ryan. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, this was great. Thanks for having me. 